the Fallon Forum. This is Ed Fallon, your host. Hey, before we kick it off here, a quick shout-out to some of our local business partners. Gateway Marketing Cafe, located at 20th and Woodland in the Sherman Hill neighborhood. That's my grocery store and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Uh, thanks also to our Ritual Cafe, located on 13th Street in downtown Des Moines. Fair trade coffee, fair trade tea, and an all-vegetarian menu. Thanks also to Dr. Kim Holding and the Story County Veterinary Clinic. Uh, Kim has been working on creatures great and small for over 30 years. Now give her a shout. That's Story County Veterinary Clinic. Thanks also to Cinco de Mayo Restaurant on Southeast 14th Street. Uh, authentic Mexican food at very affordable prices with really friendly, helpful service. And finally, thanks to Namaste Restaurant at 7500 University Ave in Clive, Northern Cuisine, Southern Cuisine from all parts of India. A great place, folks. That's Namaste Restaurant. Okay, so welcome to the show. With me, I got a couple of clowns here. Uh, Charles, Gold- <laughs> Charles Goldman and Jeffrey. The regular clowns. Uh, the regular clowns. Charles Goldman and Jeffrey Weiss. And just a, a quick look ahead. Later in the program, we're going to be talking about the gun industry because, because Charles has it in his blood to do this. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, this is real, Noah's Ark was damaged in a flood. We'll talk about that in the third segment of the show. We'll also compare and contrast the... Um, the benefits and liabilities of nuclear versus geothermal as we move deeper and deeper into the new climate era. But first, we're going to kick it off with a conversation about Iran and growing concerns about the uh, threat of war in the Mideast. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you, Ed. It's good to be here. Yeah, so. Uh, um, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming, so Jeffrey. No, <laughs> that's why we brought you here. All right, I'll just start talking. We just want another pretty face for the live stream. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay no, the, I guess the, the first thing I, I will say is um, I've been asked to give a talk 7.30 uh, Thursday night at the Friends House on Iran and a little bit of the history of Iran and the United States and the current situation. So, um, yeah, I've been reading more than I can about Iran the last few days, and it kind of gets me more and more frustrated um, at many levels. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, um, a difficult time. Uh, the United States, as many people know, uh, left the nuclear treaty, which was not only with the five Security Council members in Germany, but also the entire European <coughs> Union. Um, and since then, um, the United States has leveled some crippling sanctions on Iran. And that's pretty much a Trump decision. Economy. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't even know how, how Congress would have voted on such a re- resolution. But uh, um, Well, Congress would had no right. uh, voice here because it was actually an executive agreement. It, it right. wasn't a formal treaty. Um, but, uh, you know, now we're in a situation where um, uh, the president of the United States has threatened to end Iran as we know it. Yeah, what does um, that mean? Well, I mean, it's essentially threatening a country with nuclear weapons. I don't know. Um, now, he's not the first person to do that. Um, President Obama said all options are on the table, which is pretty clear, <laughs> um, as did George Bush Jr. used similar rhetoric. But, um, you know, now we're, we're at a point where um, Iran has been essentially – um, offered a couple of choices. Um, in the words of a good reporter from the Toronto Star, uh, total surrender or total defeat, um, neither of which is, is, is a good option. And so, you know, it's... So, and just, yeah. just, what exactly has, I mean, to putting, putting all the hype and all the propaganda and all the Trump tweets aside, what exactly has Iran done to deserve either total surrender, surrender or... Or total defeat. Um, <laughs> what, what is what, well, what's their crime? All that Iran has actually done, according to the United Nations and the IEEA, the monitoring agency over their nuclear program, um, is comply. Um, that's all they've done. Comply with the with <laughs> comply the, with the terms of the agreement, which essentially under, under is Obama. to yeah, which is essentially to ship out their enriched uranium, um, to not use centrifuges to move to a grade of uranium which is above ninety percent. Um, they're only allowed to go over four percent, and they haven't done that. Um, and they've shut down all their centrifuges, which is the process for enriching uranium. So all Iran has done, according to the United Nations and the entire world is comply with their word. I mean, this was a two-year agreement. I mean, from 2013 to 2015, 159-page agreement. And at the time, the Ayatollah in Iran, Khomeini, said, this is a bad idea, never trust the United States, they will always go back on their word. Um, And unfortunately, the sort of right-wing and the hardline religious a guardian council in Iran, which is, has a veto over much of their government, um, has been proven right. 
Ouch. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's look at the history. Also, go go back further. Um, pretty much, Iran has been a, a missed opportunity in terms of the United States for a long time. Um, essentially, any war on Iran would be a proxy war that we would end up in for the Israelis and for the Saudis. Because mm-hmm. the real conflict in the Middle East, besides the Israelis with much of the Arab world, is the Saudis versus the Iranians. And, you know, right. sort of the running, I want to say it's a joke, one of the running statements has been, well, when will the war in Iran end? And it, it would end when the last American dies. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the history of, of Iran was that we, in fact, in the 40s, were instrumental in getting the Soviets uh, to leave Iran that they had taken after mm-hmm. World War II. And then, unfortunately, we decided it was a great idea to overthrow a democratically elected leader and install right. the Shah because Most we wanted Iranian control of the Iranian <laughs> yeah. oil. But off and on, remember, through even modern, modern times, the Iran, Iranians have worked with the Americans – you know, through Iran-Contra. And then uh, later on, you know, they gave intelligence to the Americans about Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, this, it, although I, I think the president has figured out that if you want to cripple the world economy, let's have a war against Iran. And so is, is that, is that the real them. motivation? I mean, because uh, when you get the, I mean, I mean, having the entire United Nations and the rest of the world saying one thing and the U.S. going off on its own is not unusual. It's not unprecedented. Yeah. Well, there's there's but, there's three key countries that have been pushing for the United States to go to war with Iran. Um, number one is easily Netanyahu and Israel. Um, also Saudi Arabia and also the United Arab Emirates. Um, what people don't understand about those sort of uh, medieval Gulf um, dynasties. Um, where royal families lead is that um, they oppose Iran becoming sort of a normal nation and being close to the United States, um, in part because um, Iran is a theocratic republic, uh, but it is is not a medieval absolute monarchy like Saudi Arabia. People don't understand Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates also oppose the Muslim Brotherhood throughout the Arab region because even though the Muslim Brotherhood is Islamic, um, it is in favor of, in most every country, some form of republic um, and not in form mm-hmm. or in, in favor of, of absolute monarchy. So these absolute monarchies are, are holding on. You know, it, it's, it's interesting to watch. Those are, our, those are our allies. Yeah, and Saudi Arabia has done a wonderful job, um, like the Israelis, of uh, using a a lot of um, money to, um, you know, help to um, fund universities, think tanks, other things in the United States to get to paint Saudi Arabia in particular as something that it that it that it is not. I mean, the crown prince. Uh, was here recently. Uh, people forget, of course, that 15 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Right. Oh, um, back in, in 2011, 20, yeah, 2001. But even 2001. Yeah, but even when you start talking about Iran, I mean, um, the word Iran comes from the word Aryan. It's called the land of the Aryans. <laughs> I mean, um, the Iranians are Persians. They are not Arabs. I mean, that's something that mm-hmm. you don't have to explain to many people around the world, but if you're talking to people in the United States, you have to explain that. Um, thank you for um, explaining that. <laughs> thank yeah. you. But yeah. I mean, so... You you know, you have this long history of, of empires. Um, I've known Iranians. Um, I, you know, I played, I didn't play soccer, but I stalked the soccer team when I was at Iowa State because um, it was a good time. Um, is, there, is there any uh, police information about that? Oh, man, I was like a miniature United <laughs> Nations, you know, people from all over the world. But, you know, I had, I had I have Iranian friends over the years who, who are just so frustrated because 70% of their population is under 30. They covertly listen to Lady Gaga and, you know, listen to too much Pink Floyd. I tell them don't listen to too much Pink Floyd, you get depressed. But um, they drink their alcohol. Alcohol. They they really are are want to be part of a global economy as does does their their president Rouhani, um, and this is just a big setback for young people I think in Iran. So, so the, the 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 again just to sum it up the the primary reason that President Trump is ignoring evidence and the entire global community to push for the possibility of war with Iran is what I'm guessing that <sighs> it is. You know, backing Israel and Saudi Arabia and the United Emirates um, in that particular region. Iran does not go along with the United States 
foreign policy in that region. They support the Houthi rebels. Um, they support Hezbollah in Lebanon. Um, they support Hamas some, although they also disagree with Hamas in many ways. Um, and so, you know, Iran does not have a foreign policy in the region. So in um, also, Iran, there's some speculation that Iran is moving away from the dollar and going to the euro in terms of oil sales. So there's some speculation that that also makes a difference. Well, um, also, who's who are... Who are his advisors? You've got John Bolton, who's never been right on any war. Yeah. Um, and then, you've, of course, you've got Pompeo, equally hawkish. Um, Iran has always been a paper tiger that the Americans have held up. Yeah. If Iran wanted a nuclear weapon, they could have had it 50 years ago. We've been hearing about they're going to get a nuclear weapon since 1981. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't, don't remember that Khomeini, the first Ayatollah, actually approached the United States to normalize relations 10 months before the takeover of the embassy. The takeover of the embassy was a response to laying the Shah in for medical treatment into the United States, which mm-hmm. made people believe that we were going to set up a second monarchy yeah. uh, in, mm-hmm. Iran, in Iran. The Iranians are more natural allies for the Americans than the Saudis. Yeah. And I think but, Obama figured that out while at the same yeah. time mm-hmm. he also sold, what, tens of billions of dollars of weapons to Saudi Arabia, which yeah. just, you know, doesn't seem to go away as a U.S. ally as long as they you know, supply oil yeah. at, a, at a cheap yeah. price. Uh, hey, well, good conversation. Uh, disturbing situation <clears throat> and upcoming talk. Uh, again, you know a lot about yeah. the subject. You keep up to, up with it on a daily basis, and your talk will be... Yeah, Thursday at, at 7.30 at the Friends House, 42nd and Grand. 42nd and Grand yep. in Des Moines. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jeffrey, for joining right, us. Uh, stick around. We're going to talk uh, okay. about some other stuff that might, uh, that might interest you as well. We're going to be uh, discussing the Issue of nuclear weapons versus nuclear weapons. Nuclear power <laughs> and versus me. geothermal power. Nuclear, nuclear power is a nuclear weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that when we come back from the Fallon Forum on a short break. We'll continue the live stream at that time. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand selected wines and craft beer. Visit the Lively Cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food. Great community. For all your accounting needs, both business and personal, contact Ying Sa at Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. It seems that tax law changes every year. You want an accountant who's up to speed on the latest twists and turns. Someone who can help make sure your tax return is filed accurately, in a timely manner, and properly, so you don't end up paying any more than you need to pay. So give Ying Sa, the founder of Community CPA, a call at 515-288-3188. That's 515-288-3188. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price every time. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 515-246-8149. That's 515 515- Two four six eight one four nine. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's H-O-Q table.com. Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, 
horse, cow, elephant. Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep, and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Fallon Forum, Ed Fallon with you here, broadcasting live from Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM in Des Moines. I want to thank the uh, stations around Iowa and around the country that rebroadcast this program. You can also, of course, hear it as a podcast after the show. And thank you to those who are tuning in to the Facebook live stream today. We're going to try to keep that going as often as we can. With me in the studio, uh, Jeffrey Weiss here and uh, Dr. Charles Goldman. Later in the program, we're going to be talking about, uh, not making this up, folks, Noah's Ark flooded. Damaged in a flood. True. Uh, anyway, okay, a replica of Noah's Ark at the Creation Museum in Kentucky, damaged in a flood. We'll also talk about the gun industry. We'll say more detail about that later. But now I want to switch to a climate-related, energy-related topic, nuclear power. Nuclear power frequently comes up on this program with people on both sides. Too dangerous, too risky, uh, too expensive versus it's the quickest way to get to carbon neutral. Uh, and get us, get us beyond fossil fuels. Charles thinks otherwise. Charles is of the opinion that uh, we should be going all out on geothermal. Yes. I mean, well, first let's talk a little bit about nuclear. Uh, some, do you remember Lyndon LaRouche and the people you'd run into at the airports? He and I went to the same school. Well, no, so we went to school in the same town. Did, really? Yeah, not, not the same year. Okay. So I didn't get to see it. But I heard it was pretty wacky back then, too. Yeah. So, I mean, this... The argument for nuclear is, well, it's, it's, it's carbon neutral. The problem with nuclear, of course, is, number one, it's highly destructive to the environment in terms of the cooling towers and what they put out into the water to cool it, which kills my, you know myriad of marine animals, and the birds are killed by the cooling towers, much more so than the windmills that, of course, chop them up, according to the president. <laughs> um, so... But the biggest problem with nuclear is no one can build a reactor without insurance from the government. So essentially, if you want to talk about corporate socialism and costliness, nuclear power makes no sense. Also, uh, nuclear reactors are only built to last 40 to 50 years because the nature of the process of nuclear you know, degeneration and the need to carry around water that's superheated instead of just heated to steam level is that uh, they fall apart. A perfect example is in Ohio. There's two nuclear reactors on Lake Erie, both of which, uh, for anyone who watches HBO, is, are the next Chernobyl events waiting mm-hmm. to happen. In fact, uh, one of them has had two of the five worst nuclear accidents in the United States up to this point, and it is reaching its point of no longer being able to be serviced. They, in fact, had to break the containment building on that reactor because the uh, cap on the nuclear reactor was beginning to disintegrate from boric acid. That's uh, comforting. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they went into this thing and, and kind of cobbled together some kind of cap on the reactor. So oh, How long ago was that? Uh, this was maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But this reactor is finished. And yeah. it needs to be decommissioned as the and other That's a problem, too. Well, when you decommission, though, what do you do? Uh, you could, I suppose you could gather all the nuclear rods together and shoot them into the sun. Well, that's the problem. We all know the problem of disperse, uh, you know, disposing of the control rods, disposing of the, of the nuclear materials okay. is a real problem because some of it has become essentially weaponized into plutonium. Um, but also where do you put it? And nobody, no state, not even Nevada, will take all the nuclear not waste. Not even Nevada. Not even Nevada. <laughs> what does that mean? We'll take the nuclear waste. Florida? No. <laughs> so um, nuclear is not the answer. I know that a lot of, as you say, there's a lot of climate change people who say it's the answer. Yeah, it's well, what, what, about, uh, what about new generations of nuclear power plants? It's supposed breeder, to try to address some of those problems. Well, breeder reactors, which would operate, uh, leave a fuel that actually is much less dangerous in terms of getting rid of, might be a way to go. But that's not the technology which is being promulgated. The big nuclear power plant building companies are all with this 1960s uranium-based technology. So the, the issue of geothermal is actually well, pretty let me, interesting. Let me, let me jump sure. in again. So you've got James Hansen, regarded by many as one of, the, one of the earliest people to call out the urgency of climate change before the U.S. Congress back in what, 19, was it? 89 or so? Yeah, in the 80s, ago, yeah. sure. Uh, who is also a strong supporter of nuclear power? That's correct. And there are more later generation climate change people who feel like it's not the answer. So tell us why James Hansen is wrong. 
Uh, because you can't get it built. It's way too expensive. You've socialized the cost of building them. They do degenerate. And, um, yes, it doesn't create carbon issues, but it creates thermal issues. Hmm. I mean, you're heat, superheating water to thousands of degrees for no purpose. All you need to drive a turbine is steam, which is most people would used to remember is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It's not many thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I have a tea kettle. I know what you mean. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the main issue is, is there another alternative? And one alternative, which could completely supplant what nuclear plants do, is geothermal. And the, the interesting thing about geothermal is that it can be both a distributive system like solar can be, which is you can put solar panels on your house. You can put a ge geothermal system into your house that does the in predominant heating and heating of water and cooling in your yard if you have one. Right, you don't right. need to be you don't need no. to be near a geothermal vent right. because you take advantage of the fact that the Earth is uh, you know once you dig into a short distance it's pretty consistently fifty or sixty degrees, which means you can put heat into it during the summer and you can extract extract heat out of it during the winter. Does that mean you can only heat your house to fifty or sixty degrees? No, you use a heat concentrator, and you know the point is is that. Um, you, you, that's a huge advantage, which is, as with solar, it's a distributive system. So people want to get off the grid in particular. Mm -hmm. um, that's a allure of it. The other way is you can industrialize it the way they do in Iceland by creating geothermal plants. Um, and now there are issues, but, but the thing that's making geothermal more of an option right now, which Hanson wouldn't have been thinking about in the 80s, is fracking is the drilling for oil and gas because the technology is fairly similar to get to geothermal pools that you could use. But you don't need to do that. You can just go into the earth. No, 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 no. You can't make electricity without getting hot water. Okay. So if you want to make a system which is both centralized as, as well as distributive and you want to make electricity and get rid of the need for nuclear, there is technology available which can be improved based on the fracking of oil and gas to get into these geothermal pools to run water into them to expand them so that you have a continuous supply of heated water and then run them through plants and that water is just steam i mean think about going to yellowstone right you know that water is just steaming so, someday right yeah <laughs> before the super volcano goes off yeah. so you know it's a, it's an interesting idea which is not really being talked about enough and one of the reasons it's not being talked about enough is that geothermal of all these alternative technologies has the least subsidy in terms of tax credits versus wind and solar and it's probably the hardest for a big utility company to control well but the big utility companies are interested now remember in california and, and some of the western states geothermal mm -hmm. does contribute to electric production, right. but pretty much nowhere else. Um, but the thing would be that if the incentives were uh, better, and, and here, and I hate to say this in the era, in the era of you know, Trump deregulation, one of the problems with geothermal is it takes eight years to get a plant uh, certified you know, from the environmental review and everything else versus four for like a gas or a coal plant. Why is that? Um, because the regulations, the way they're written for geothermal, are ancient and should have been updated in 2005 when they updated all the other regulations. Why didn't Obama update them? Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. You know, because it's interesting. Whenever they, whenever they talk about what, what, what is the mantra, you know, uh, that we, we should use all you know, the resources right, yeah. available, yeah. you know. Um, everything in the toolbox. Everything, yeah. yeah. But, but no one – I don't think people are as educated about the idea of doing geothermal because they don't see it much outside of states like Utah and California. Well, in, in, in Iowa, we see it at uh, schools. Uh, there are, there, I, I, don't, I don't know too many individuals who have systems, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of school, school districts that have put in uh, coils and are, are seeing a lot, of, a lot of cost savings, among other things. Well, and, and you know, especially geothermal in a rural area would be perfect mm -hmm. because you don't need any infrastructure to bring gas – Right. To, yeah. you know, or electric. Um, well, electric's already there, but I think people increasingly use gas. Now, it's interesting. In the Northeast, people still have oil and gas delivered to their house to heat. I mean, it seems crazy, you know. But, um, yes, all I'm saying is I, I don't think nuclear is the future no matter what Hansen says. So back, back to the, uh, the, the, the point where nuclear power and nuclear weapons potentially come together – we were talking about Iran mm -hmm. and all this. The concern historically that countries like Iran might obtain nuclear mm -hmm. weapons is mm -hmm. that is that a legitimate concern that that uh, that there's enough nuclear waste out there that it can make it, it makes it easier for countries, um, even rogue nations, even 
rogue individuals to obtain that uh, that, that raw product and create yeah. a nuclear device? I, I would say no, because the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty is essentially the countries that have nuclear weapons that are party to it will not or will make a good faith effort over time to get rid of them in exchange countries can have nuclear power they just can't weaponize so even the iran nuclear agreement like i said before um, iran can enrich uranium up to what's called four percent grade but they would have to enrich up to ninety percent grade to weaponize so they are so far from that that even if iran today decided to go that route with the uranium they have, it would take more than a year, for sure more than a year. And really, Iran would have to do that. Um, if they really wanted to get nuclear weapons or a country like Iran, they would really have to do the, that in secret. They could not do that out in the open, so, which is very difficult to so, do. So in, so in short, it's really not a problem. Little. What's it's, that? It's not a problem for, uh, I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, of yeah. all the concerns, and Charles listed a whole bunch of very legitimate concerns about nuclear power, but yeah. One of those concerns is not that those fuel rods would be converted into well, nuclear well, weapons. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, the it's fuel rods, the fuel rod disposal yeah. itself is a problem. Yeah. If you if if you remember, one of the uh, mm. uh, you know one of the ideas at nine eleven was to fly one of those planes into the the uh, cooling pond on Indian Point, which is a nuclear reactor um, outside of New York. Yeah, outside of New York, and they figured that any explosion would disperse radioactivity from the control rods, which would make a huge area of that part of the metropolis uninhabitable for hundreds of years. The only reason they didn't do it was they couldn't believe that the Americans didn't have missiles around it to knock down planes, because it seems like such an obvious risk. Yeah, yeah well, it's downwind from New York City. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah. it's, it's just the eastern portion of Long Island. Yeah. yeah, but the no, but the, it, it, nuclear just creates a whole bunch of disposal problems. And you know, mm -hmm. it's funny. There's no energy. There's no energy modality that is perfectly good. Mm -hmm. um, let's not forget that coal plants also have an extraordinarily dangerous, you know, oh, disposal sure. problem. Yeah, not in terms of blowing it up. Coal, coal ash. But coal ash is yeah. toxic. Yeah. Heavy metal poisoning. All sorts of things to the people who live around them. And then, of course, they you know every time they get a flood in North Carolina, it just goes off into the water in the streams in which people get well, the we, water we from. We do seem to be moving away from coal, despite Donald Trump's promise other to to, to protect those coal jobs. Right, because the market destroyed coal, which yeah. is that natural gas became natural that much more cheaper, uh, cheap. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but I mean, even, even natural gas and oil are heavily subsidized. So that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So hey, we got to take a short break here, folks, and here's some of the. Uh, the uh, sponsors that help make this uh, radio station tick here, Lorena, 1260 AM. Uh, when we come back, we're, we're going to continue our conversation. It sounds like a funny topic. <clears throat> it's not entirely, but it is kind of maybe divine justice, uh, maybe divine irony that uh, the replica of Noah's Ark at the Creation Museum has been damaged by flooding. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here. Hey, before we kick off our conversation about Noah's Ark being damaged in a uh, flood in Kentucky, I want to thank uh, the, some of the local businesses that make this program possible. <clears throat> Thanks to Community CPA and Associates located in Des Moines and Iowa City. All your tax and accounting needs in one location, folks. That's Community CPA. Thanks also to Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village, where 90% of the food served comes from Iowa farmers and Iowa producers. And thanks to uh, Sergeant's Garage, located on 6th and College in Des Moines. Uh, if you've got an old car like mine, they're the place to go. They always give you the right diagnosis and a very fair price every time. That's Sergeant's Garage. Also, thanks to Diversity Insurance, located at 1541 East Grand in Des Moines. All your insurance needs under one roof, no appointment needed. Stop by. That's Diversity Insurance. And finally, thanks to Namaste Restaurant, located in Clive on University Ave. Uh, a great selection of uh, Indian cuisine from both the north and southern parts of the country. Also, they've got Nepalese dishes and Indo-Chinese cuisine as well. That's Namaste Restaurant. Okay, welcome back to the show. So when I heard this um, <clears throat> this topic suggestion, I was um, I was a little bit uh, incredulous. I, I wasn't sure if it was a joke. I did know that there is such a place as the Creation Museum in uh, Petersburg, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, if you if you want to believe that that's the way it all got started, that's fine. But have a sense of humor about it. And I think this is maybe uh, maybe the uh, divine power's way of uh, assuring that 
a sense of humor um, be considered because uh, apparently the replica of Noah's and is this a full size replica? Yeah, the <clears throat> I should just preface this by saying, as I was telling you, um, I was at the Creation Museum within one week of its opening. You are a fan, aren't you? I, I'm a total fan. <laughs> um, and and the museum is a museum um, which is um, run by a gentleman who used to work for Disney. Not totally surprisingly, because uh, there's a lot of these animatronic yeah. things that go on there. Um, which is dedicated to biblical literalism, that the story of creation as told in the Bible um, is, the, is literally true and that the day is a day and that uh, – but, but there are two creation stories. Well, there are three actually, but at least two. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. We've always, yeah. I've, in fact, I remember the time we talked about this on the radio one time and we got some pretty irate calls in which one of our listeners threatened me with I would find out later on about my blasphemy. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless... He wasn't uh, threatening you personally. He, he, was, he was... He was going to like... Well, he was threatening you. He's still waiting. Well, he's still waiting. Yes, right. God was going to be the tool of justice nothing's, in that. Nothing's yeah. happened yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Watch your back, Charles. Watch your back. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, um, interestingly, uh, the Ark was not there at the opening. <clears throat> and they were able to persuade the state of Kentucky to kick in $100 million. $100 million? $100 million to well, build now, the Ark. Now, how much did Noah actually spend building the Ark? No idea. And did he get but, government subsidies? You know, it, it's it's really funny you say that because I was just reading an article about the gentleman who beat up the reporter up in Montana, and um, for you know, what reason? Don't you remember the, uh, the the gentleman Gianconte? I think mm. his name. He ended up the rep, the House Representatives from Montana. Mm. Yeah, and and he was talking about there should be no retirement because look, Moses was building. I'm sorry, Noah was building the ark at 600. Mm. So we should have no retirement. That's right. The Bible says we should never retire. Yeah. But anyway. Well, and that if we, if we do, let, let Social Security kick in around 605 well, years old. You know? It would certainly help the system be much more uh, <laughs> <laughs> able to handle the yeah, actuarial needs. It's 610 right. years old. This yeah. could save a lot of money. It exactly. Good. I like these plants. So <laughs> anyway, at the time, there was no ark. Uh, but they did build the ark with the help of the state of Kentucky uh, to the biblical dimensions. And uh, okay. I really should go back, and I probably should take Grayson with me uh, to see it. This and, is your four-year-old. Yeah, correct. That's about the right level you're thinking of? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I want him to see all sides here. Yeah, okay. Um, but anyway. <laughs> you and Trump. <laughs> so, truth on both sides. The, the Violence on both sides. It, yeah. it, it would have been right. a better story if the ark itself took on water. But it was actually all the access roads to it took on water and destroyed any access to it. Oh, and, okay. and so, so the, the ark itself, the ark itself seems to be intact. But it was, it was left high and dry. It was left, it was left yeah, correct. Nobody could get to it for evidently many months. And the insurance company refused to pay the museum to fix the roads. I guess why? Because well, it was, I guess, an act of God. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was that was actually the best part of it. Oh, gosh. Which, which they're suing their insurance company because they're, they're using the act of God. Um, and the state of Kentucky may confirm that right. at some point. But the thing I, I, I think one of the big questions, besides the absolute hysterical,ness of it, mm -hmm. is why is the state of Kentucky giving a hundred million dollars to this enterprise? Um, you know, we're really at a dangerous point with separation well, of church and state. But, but isn't it a relief to see them doing something like that as opposed to criminalizing abortion, even in some cases in the case of rape or incest? Isn't that, it's kind of – maybe we should just let them go off on that tangent. Well, but it gets back to the whole it question gets worse. of – it, it gets back to the whole question of why are we even giving tax exemption right, to right, any right. church? Yeah. You know, what is what is the point of this? You know, what what, what is the good? I guess maybe the argument was it, it would bring in business – that would be good for that area of northern Kentucky. But on the other hand, $100 million. Or, or for that matter, why don't we give tax exempt status to hospitals, Dr. Goldman? Or private schools, yeah, universities. Grinnell. I mean, Grinnell's oh, like a small country. With going after mm -hmm. all the, all the uh, sacred yeah. cows now. No, it's yeah. true. I mean, you, you know, it's absolutely true that it, it's an abused status. Uh, the NRA is a nonprofit organization. Right. Um, and I believe aren't the Democratic and the Republican parties also exempt from taxation? Really? So, How about the Greens and the Libs? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, and, and I think this is not the greatest time to examine the tax-exempt status of, of religious organizations. I think they should be tax-exempt to the extent that they do what they're supposed to do yeah. and also their charitable work. I don't think they should be exempt so they can pay pay off – Families to not talk about abuse, 
Um, and gee, I wonder where the, who that's a veil <laughs> reference to. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that there's a, there's abuse in other religions too. But there's a point at which yeah. we are subsidizing these enterprises, mm-hmm. you know. And you hear about mm-hmm. well, this whole thing like with the Hyde Amendment. So people who don't believe in abortion, those people who are doing it, you know, out of true ethical beliefs. Say, well, why should my money be used that way? Okay, so, so back to the Creation Museum. Sure. I've never been there. Maybe I should go sometime. I think you should. But, but uh, yeah, so the, the Ark, the life-size replica of the Ark, according to the specs in Deuteronomy, I believe. Because mm-hmm. I think um, they tried to figure out what a cubit, because you know, it was measured in cubits. Right. And I can't remember how much a cubit is supposed to be. I'm not sure how they figured that out. Yeah. So a- anyway, it's a... It's it's recovered. They, they, somehow mm-hmm. the maybe the insurance companies didn't pay for the road repair. Well, eventually maybe, they dried out. Maybe maybe it just dried out. Okay, <laughs> or maybe the state of Kentucky can, uh, kicked in an additional you know handful of millions. Right, because their Medicaid program is so well funded that they should kick in uh, hundreds <laughs> yeah. of millions of dollars to this. That's so right. here's what I want to know: was the, is the replica of the Ark filled with animals, and did they go in two by two? Um, I you know, like I said, I've not been there. I, I, I now feel the need to go back to I really answer want to that know question. If there are unicorns in it. Yeah, maybe I can use the you know Fallon Forum uh, expense account to go back <clears throat> oh, to try to answer that question. Can have a life, a life yeah, it's, it's, the it's, it's a can explain all of it. The dinosaurs, everything. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, I don't, you know, no, and, and that's a, that's a good point, Jeffrey. Which is that <clears throat> they did have to sort of stretch a lot of things to make this work, because the museum is focused basically on the issue of how old is the Earth. And the Noah's Ark event, mm-hmm. right? Six thousand years, apparently. Right, and oh, so, four. yeah, <laughs> maybe it's four thousand. And, and, but they they, they yeah. also know that you have to deal with things that are in popular knowledge, like the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the you know one method of dealing with the dinosaurs is well, those fossils are just a uh, a way that God is trying to fool us. The question is why mm-hmm. they, would God be trying to fool us that the dinosaurs existed? Or the other way is well, the dinosaurs. We're on the ark with all the other animals. Oh, that would have sink it. Well, you would yeah, think it would be all right. I'm not it. sure what you would do with the Tyrannosaurus. You're going to put a T-Rex on right. the ark. Right, it was so we on the ark. If, right. if Jesus had rode into Jerusalem on a T-Rex, the problems that that would, that would generate, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he wouldn't have been around. To, and, well, I mean, the, the problem is, the if, 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 as long as the T-Rex wasn't hungry. If the T-Rex was hungry, that could... And I don't think the Romans could. I mean, they could defend against the Jews, but I don't know if they could defend against dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Is this kind of I mean, an earlier version well, of Godzilla? No, these are questions we need <laughs> well, to bring to the Christians. You, you have all sorts of questions, yeah, which know. is you've Not got sure animals, that, for instance, that exist only only on one continent, which is Australia, right? How did these animals get on the ark? There's nothing in the Bible that that, hey. that Noah made any rounds to pick up the animals from Australia. Yeah, maybe maybe they just left that part out. It's true. Well, but the thing is, this is this is where you end up with with God of the gaps, which is okay. It just is the way it is, and that's yeah, kind of a, what yeah. the Creation Museum gaps. is asking you to yeah. accept. No, the, the evangelical community in America is large, uh, not but, as, not as large as you think. Right, but in you, fact, their size is probably not much greater than people who are atheists. Okay, they have probably. an outsized influence in our the, politics to is their the largest, actual yeah. size. Isn't yeah. atheism? Yeah, they're on the Supreme Court. The, the president. Yeah, they do. They, <laughs> they, they, no, no, no. They do. Our, our they have been. True. They have been very agile in terms yeah. of making they're their influence far in excess yeah. of their number. That's true. So it's true. Religious my question though is, uh, among evangelical Christians, how many actually believe some of the stuff about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that the world is only that that old. That, Dinosaurs died off after the ark. I mean, how, how do they? How, how many actually believe that? I, I, I got to think it's a small percent of even evangelical Christians. I'm not sure I would agree with that because yeah, I think the whole notion of evangelical is uh, evangelicalism is to to see the word well, of the Bible as literal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that you can't just well, pick and choose which ones no, no, you see yeah, as literal. And, and unlike nearly every nation in the world, <laughs> the polls show that the people of the United States, when you do polling. Maybe anywhere from thirty-five to forty-five percent really do not understand evolution, just basic science. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it could be much. Well, no, you're absolutely right. Than uh, over fifty percent of the United States believes that that evolution is God yes. directed, yeah. is intelligent design. <laughs> yeah, right. That life comes from life. Species adapt to their environment, pass it on to their offspring through DNA is just so a theory. This, similar this to would the explain why the it's, end this, is, this would explain why uh, climate science is. Uh, Still 
not believed by a lot yeah. of people, including our president. Well, we've talked about this before. The, the modern-day Republican Party may be one of the only political parties in the world, and it's kind of a big world, 7.6 billion people, that questions publicly the science of climate change. I mean, that's really unique. There's a few other parties. I think mm. it's the... What do they call them? The neo-fascist party in, the in Germany, National alternative. Front. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, but other than that, they're they're kind of by them. They're kind of by themselves. Yeah, yeah. I I think you overrate that um, people don't believe in climate change. I think that they are led to believe that climate change will worsen their lives right now in the sense of economics, if we actually shifted an economy over in that direction. But I think the majority of people in the United States do believe in climate change. And when the president says the nonsense, he said over in England, you know, when yeah. poor, poor Prince Charles, an hour and a half of trying to talk to Trump what a hero. about yeah. climate change. <laughs> well, yeah, the public is ahead of the major, the, the political party that runs the country. But, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, it's, um, and you know, say, you know, we all know this, but climate change isn't a matter of belief anyway. I mean, you don't. Do you believe in climate change? Well, I'm going to pray to you, climate change. No, I mean, it's climate change is, is science. Yeah. You know, you either yeah. understand the science or you don't. But, but there, 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 there are folks And the GOP challenges the science. Sure. And there are for folks For craven reasons. Oh, absolutely. Plenty of those people know climate change absolutely. is happening. Sure. No, absolutely. But, but they accept, they, they, they accept the, uh, the, the reality that climate is changing, but there are still yeah, you know, a significant why, number yeah. of people who don't accept the anthropomorphic right. element right. That, 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 it's, that it's caused it's by human, human activity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. inescapable. Yeah. That's anthropomorphic at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, in corporate media for years, where they do the so called both sides, you know. Well, the Times used to run those ExxonMobil ads all the time, you know, explaining about what they were doing to yeah. you know, avoid yeah. climate change. So how, how do how do uh, how do how do biblical literalists deal with this fact? The uh, you know the, the story the the Ark story says that uh, you know God would never again punish the world with a flood. That's right. But look at all the punishing floods we're getting. <laughs> Everywhere you no, turn, I mean, there's, there's uh, I mean, he, he hasn't all out destroyed the world by flooding yeah. again, but he sure is. He sure is giving it a go. Well, but there's two, there's two <laughs> elements about this, and it's interesting because the, the the biblical literalists of the Christian mm-hmm. world are not the. Uh, they're, they're pretty similar to to Islamists, because Islam is also a, a religion of fate, which basically your fate is already determined. So it's a little unclear what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but you know. So it what is is going to be, because God is going to do it. You know, Sounds and like so Steve, Steve Bannon, who says we are, we are Leninist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's they're really they're really true there, there is kind of a fatalism true, to it, and so why make changes? Yeah. Because it's going to happen anyway. But you're right; there have been arguments in which <clears throat> there's a famous situation down in Florida, which is underwater to a certain degree mm-hmm. every day in Miami. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's which one of the yeah one of the, yeah, the yeah, public safety under the, under the, you know directors well, yeah. said. We don't have to worry about this because God said he would not destroy the earth again by flood. Hmm. But that, well, was, that was fresh water. Man, God I, said I nothing about right. salt water. I'm making, that, I'm making this up right now. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I just, as, just as with Christianity, it's possible to have a, a, a thinking perspective on biblical wisdom mm-hmm. without falling into the trap of believing, trying to believe everything literally, which really never pans out very mm-hmm. well given the conflicting stories. But yeah. within Islam... You mentioned that, that Islam is also a religion of faith, but there are also, you know, strong threads within mm-hmm. Islam that also come at it from a more liberal perspective. Well, you know, there there is no there is no antithesis between science and religion. We, as we often do, see the American experience as exceptional and unique, and don't understand that Christian evangelicalism comes out of a series of books from the late eighteen seventies, which were very unique to a small group of people believing what it said. Which, uh, who was that? I can't remember the name of, the, you know, of who wrote these books, but, you know... It wasn't Little House on the Prairie, was No, it? no, no. Okay. But it, the point is that science can in, inform religion, and there's plenty of scientists who've been very religious and don't in any way pull punches on their science. Right. Um, they they complement each other, and I've said before, they both right. go back to an article of faith as a beginning point. Even science goes back to an article of faith, which is the Big Bang Theory. Sure, yeah, yeah. There's, there's you know, no there's way you proof, can prove that. There's proof. No, there is proof of the science of the Big Bang, right. but yeah, the Big Bang yeah. had to occur under different conditions than presently exist. The physics of the Big Bang requires that there was a special situation at the beginning of the universe, the beginning of you know whatever, that had to only be there at that time, and then after that, traditional physics took. So, off. how do you explain that uh, that, that set of circumstances? Arising out of nothing. 
Well, that's what science is trying to answer, which is right. rising out of nothingness requires a special set of circumstances, which physics, as we understand it, can't totally explain. So yeah. then you're not really rising <clears throat> out of nothing. Yeah. You're rising out of a special set of circumstances. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. This is why religion and science really need each other. They do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, really, religion explains the invisible world, and science explains the visible world. Yeah, science, science without ethics is a problem. Uh, I mean, that, that, mm -hmm. that, 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 that uh, d defines our entry into the... Uh, Era of nuclear weapons, but but religion without 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 intellect also presents a problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> anyway, this is true. Well, so. the the problem can be that a place like the Creation Museum allows you not to be curious. I mean, it's weirdly strange. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was curious about it, but mm -hmm. but, but, but there's a certain but, but amount of reasons of, that a lot it, of lead, it leads to a certain amount of incuriosity, which I think is the more dangerous aspect of it, as opposed to whatever religious view it's trying to put forward. Yeah. You know, and and we see the result of that now, which is that we're entering an era in which it's very easy to create falsehoods. So in the, in the, in the few mm -hmm. minutes we have remaining here, what, what are your other, just curious, your other takeaways from your visit to the Creation Museum? Um, as I said earlier, the, the, a lot of the families that came there are very large families, so there's a lot of kids who are being raised into this belief. Um, it's... It's somewhat predictable in terms of what you're going to run into because I know the dinosaur thing and the Grand Canyon thing is a big part of it. This, the so Grand Canyon. Well, Just the to Grand tell you Canyon about that is one. problematic because the Grand Canyon has been used by scientists to argue that the Earth has to be in some form at least three to four billion years old because mm -hmm. the rock that's been exposed at the bottom of the Grand Canyon dates carbon out. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, mm -hmm. carbon dating only goes about 15 to 25,000 years. It's uranium decay mm -hmm. that tells you mm -hmm. that the, the uh, rock at the bottom of the canyon has to be um, somewhere in the range of four billion years old. Mm -hmm. So they spend a lot of time with trying to show that the canyon could have been created in a short period of time. They love showing Mount St. Helens after the, the volcanic activity there, how it... it the flow of the lava created a huge canyon around it, not as deep as the Grand Canyon, but nevertheless. And so their argument becomes that it could have been volcanic activity that carved out the canyon, not four billion years of mm -hmm. the action of wind and water. Mm -hmm. So the canyon's a big issue. And is that addressed at the uh, Creation Museum? Yeah, they show you. They'll show you that you can make deep canyons. It doesn't take billions of years. Oh, it takes, and, it takes one angry mountain. And Helens. once again, you know, they'll argue that well, one ambitious god. Yeah, you know, there's 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 yeah. areas. I mean, with a lot of energy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like God woke and, up one and morning and, and a lot of time on his he hands. was pumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumped. or she was pumped or whomever. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's a big thing. And yeah. and then um, you know they have to fit the dinosaur story into the ark yeah. because the dinosaurs can't have been dead beforehand. They have to have been dead after. Mm -hmm. In terms of the time, could not have gotten on the right. Ark. So they got on the ark, and then somehow they eventually die off. They actually use the word evolution, which is pretty interesting. <clears throat> they, don't, they don't have like sh the fragments of the shroud of Turin there, or anything like that. Do they? No, that's a totally different. Or little, little, yeah, square, a, little splinters from the cross. No, they have that at the various nationalism museums where they want to prove that Jesus was white and not okay. Semitic. Oh. Um, so, so they have to ignore the, the, the first century skulls of Palestinian Jews. But you know, hey, that, they can overlook that. Yeah. Right. Well, no. <laughs> All right. And then, and then, of course, you know, the other part of it is, is a lot about the Garden of Eden, because the Garden mm -hmm. of Eden is also a, a story that, you know. The, the interesting thing mm -hmm. is, is that a lot of these stories are not unique to Christianity. The Garden of Eden story is, is one that's in a lot of cultures. The flood story is actually also in a lot of cultures. Mm -hmm. So, sure. you know, yeah. um, it raises the question, it, again, it's, these are not unique beliefs. Even the ethical system of Judeo-Christianity is not unique. There are systems of ethics that antedate it that right. they simply mm -hmm. borrow from. But, it, it, yeah, so the big things is Grand Canyon, uh, the Ark story, why the fossils are there to fool us, <laughs> and um, then yeah, the there's there. a lot of them. Wow, right. there's a lot of. They're all over the world. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. You know, and and, and if I remember correctly, they did have yeah. Adam riding a small dinosaur, because again, it, to make it work, you have to have the dinosaurs <laughs> and humans alive together. Right, and and, and, the, and just like you know, and one like how old you one million years. Well, BC. maybe they were tamed by by uh, you know uh, artificial selection, just like wolves were turned into dogs. Who knows? Maybe that's at the museum. I'd like to, I'd like to explore that one. Well, remember, you know, yeah. I mean, or which ones were like the pterodactyls that could be tamed, <laughs> but they fly. That would, well, you know, my, my hope is that uh, it was a cartoon. That, that, was a that regardless of dis disagreements and beliefs, if we could still work civilly together toward 
the problems that we all identify. People have come yeah. there and said the people yeah. are very nice. I mean, people with these beliefs can be the nicest, warmest, most yeah. generous people. I, I, and so, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, absolutely, absolutely, true. absolutely. I yeah. think I think that's unfortunately we become Maybe very angry we because connect. we're being ruled by a minority of people we don't agree with on many things. But yeah. interpersonally, absolutely. the people, yeah, totally nice. nice. I mean, no yeah. one stands out. We're probably worse. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> yeah, well, you're, yeah, we're you're, you're, you're from New York. It's in your blood. Well, wait a minute. That's true. I didn't know that about Charles. Man, I, well, you really you didn't detect an accident. I'm sitting much too close to it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, yeah. yeah, can be very nice people. People who write books and go, you know, say that the people can be very nice. So there we go. And, and, and rather than the snippy professor, ending on a on a yeah. positive note. Yeah. So hey, thanks for joining us, uh, Charles Goldman here. Also, Jeffrey Weiss, this is Ed Fallon. Uh, we'll be back with an additional segment after this uh, short break here. But again, I want to thank. Uh, Thank the uh, station manager, Juan Rodriguez, here at uh, 1260 AM, 96.5 FM, La Reina. Uh, thanks to our post-production coordinator, Sherry Herdina. And thanks to uh, Ashley Martinez, our pro- producer for this program. And again, thanks to the stations uh, around Iowa and around the country that rebroadcast this program. You can always check it out on uh, on the Fallon Forum website. That's FallonForum.com. Of course, we've been live-streaming this show, so that live stream will be available as well. Again, Tune in every Monday live at 11 o'clock for the uh, live broadcast, 11 to noon Central Time. This is Ed Fallon, your host on the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, we good folks. Welcome back to the uh, conversation. Uh, again, uh, Charles Goldman and Jeffrey Weiss. Still with me here. I can't seem to get rid of them. Yeah. And, you know, gun control continues to be a hot topic, as it should be. But interestingly, you would think that we'd want to be researching why so much gun violence is happening and a lot of other details around gun violence. But guess what? That's not allowed. It's it's not been allowed since 1997. When the CDC had done a a study, that's the uh, Center for Disease Control, because physicians and public health people see the gun issue as a public health issue. We don't get involved as a group with the politics of the Second Amendment. Right. But we know that if you have a gun in your house, you're more likely to be killed by that gun, usually at your own hand. In fact, the number of suicides by gun are 70 percent higher than the number of deaths by so, gun. So, so for over 20 years, Congress has prevented the Center for Disease Control from researching these concerns. That's correct. And I think it, what had happened was that the CDC had done a study in which they went into a high crime community and um, looked at issues of gun ownership in terms of uh, safety because the idea that you can defend your home, you know, you're on the Daniel Boone in the wilderness or whatever. Wilderness. And it, yeah. it turned out that the homes that had guns in them did in fact have higher death rates because of suicide. And we can't just keep ignoring that it is a danger in that regard. So yeah. there has been research going on. And, and I think it's important to understand that anything you hear from either side of the gun control debate has really no factual basis to say it. Because everyone cherry picks studies, many of which are poorly done, but aren't there private entities the, doing good studies in, 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 in filling the gap left by, by the CDC and other government agencies not being allowed? There's, there is a fair amount of research going on in the United States that's done by non-governmental entities as well as outside the United States. Isn't that just as good as a, as a piece of government research? Um, well, the problem is that a lot of them rely on the DOJ's um, database for, for crime in the United States. And there are many things about that database that are highly lacking. For instance, if you were going to look at concealed carry as a good or a bad thing, um, are you concerned with anything that happens in the home, or are you only concerned with anything that happens outside of the home that involves guns? I think the answer is obvious. Concealed carry is about things that happen outside your house. Concealed carry doesn't affect anybody in their house. But the problem in that database that the DOJ has is it doesn't differentiate between where the episode occurred where a firearm was used and a death occurred. So we have no idea which of those deaths are really outside of the home. Yeah. Well, and we know that um, in academia, I mean, not as much political science, but definitely the field of sociology and and somewhat psychology has done, uh, you know, a number of studies on guns and gun safety, et cetera. But 
um, you know, not nearly having the money and the resources that could be brought to, um, I don't know, some National Institutes of Health or something that could delve into this deeper, um, let alone, uh, I don't know, so much of academic research, especially at the social science level, which is the study of human behavior, um, just sort of goes into the abyss. I mean, people aren't really reading it or using it for congressional legislation. So, yeah, it would have much more weight. And and what uh, Dr. Goldman said, of course, the the research on, you know, shows that the presence of a gun and having a gun puts you in more danger and puts everybody else around you in more danger. Um, this, so this, this uh, sounds like a silly question to even ask, but where does the NRA stand on government-funded research? Well, I think it violence? goes without saying that they don't want any, <laughs> and they've lobbied hard against it. That's right. Have there been efforts to? Uh, I mean, especially especially under Democratic administrations and. And when, when Congress was controlled by Democrats, has there, have there been efforts to try to reestablish some level of funding for the no. CDC and other agencies? No, it's considered such a toxic issue that it's just been left as is. But now, the reason I, I wanted to bring this up is that the Rand Corporation, which does a lot of uh, think tank work and is generally seen as nonpartisan. Remember, in, during the 60s, the Rand Corporation was one of the big... It's not named after Ayn Rand. No, no, no not that not that Rand. And they were one of the big defenders for continuing the Vietnam War. They were the intellectuals who kind of got us and kept us in the Vietnam War. So Rand Corporation said, let's look at the data that's out there, as, as Jeffrey's talking about. And it was really interesting. They found that for many interventions, there's very little data to really guide us as to where to go. For instance, everyone talks about background checks. They found only modestly supported evidence in the literature that background checks reduces suicide and reduces violent crime. Um, the thing that actually, the only thing that led them to conclude they had strong evidence for was reducing child access to weapons. And child access to weapons clearly um, leads to higher rates of suicide and unintentional shootings. But that was the only thing that really came up as absolutely you can say this. The other thing that they found was stand your ground laws probably lead to increased rates of violent crime because people, you know, well, and, and, the, and, the kind of cases out there would sure. suggest that, like, you know, the and those have And those have proliferated in a big way in recent years. So. Right, but there's no evidence they reduce violent crime or make you any safer. Right. And, you know, the other arena was with um, prohibiting guns to people who have mental illness. Now, interestingly, this, is a, this has been kind of a fraud issue because the ACLU actually weighed in the last time they tried to do this at a federal level saying it wasn't fair to tell people who were mentally, who were mentally ill that they couldn't have guns. And yet the, the sociologic data would seem <laughs> to show... It's not fair to tell blind people they can't drive. This, well, no, and actually they said the same thing with blind people. What? That it was, it was, it was not really legal. So it's to okay to deny them a driver's license, but you shouldn't be able to deny them a. That was the argument. Wow. It's a very, you know, yeah. uh, absolutist yeah. argument. But there, they felt that you know prohibitions associated with mental illness mm-hmm. clearly did, and also taking away guns from people who have shown a propensity for the violence. So mm-hmm. not allowing people who you know have multiple domestic abuse charges mm-hmm. to have guns in the house. That also reduced death. So, so what kind of research is being done independently that is indicating, you know, uh, indicating some strong reasons why we need to approach, you know, gun control with a little bit more ambition? Well, no, that's what what Rand is doing is accumulating okay, the so better that, of the data. I okay, mean, I see. This. Yeah, so they're, kind of the they're kind of the clearinghouse. Correct. Whenever you do a study of this size with these kind of intellectuals. They are going to grade the data and throw away lots of studies that are used in the public to justify what we do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, this is just a more general point. But, um, you know, we always talk about how all governments try to balance uh, individual rights and social order. Um, And, you know, in the case of guns, obviously, uh, compared to the majority of countries around the world, our country is over the top in terms of the individual rights of people to have. We have more guns than people, I believe, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and what people forget is, Somebody's yeah, making up for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you may have your individual right to have a gun, but I should also live in a society where I don't have to look over my shoulder in a theater because some idiot may shoot up the place, you know? So, um, you know, you don't have freedom if you don't feel safe mm-hmm. in society. And, you know, that's what people forget. Oftentimes, if I get into some discussion um, about the Second Amendment, I just simply say that I want one of those, you know, shoulder-fired propelled where I can fire a missile. And usually when I say that, the person will say that I can't have that. And I love that because then we can talk about 
what weapons at that point that there is a limit. You have to get people to acknowledge there's a limit. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then well, find out what that limit is. What's to stop you from having a small nuclear device? In, in, in exactly. The, the, the facts that we do know that are inescapable are if you graph out gun ownership with violent deaths, the United States is all by itself yeah. in the upper right-hand corner of that graph. And almost every other country is clustered around the lower yeah. left-hand corner of that graph. Yeah. We have the same crime rates as, as almost every other country in the world, except maybe Brazil and South Africa, mm -hmm. but we have the highest crime rate by a factor of two and a half mm -hmm. leading to death. So yeah. it's no question that the, mm -hmm. the price of this freedom is people dying. Yeah. Right. Either what's, their what's own hand or somebody else's In the last hand. minute we have here, Charles, what's going to change that? What's going to cause Congress to finally say, okay, we're going to look at some facts here and take some action? Um, somebody more high-profile getting killed. Really? One of them That's getting killed, really? perhaps. The gun's really? being turned in some different direction. That's right. an interesting, exactly. That's an interesting answer. Yeah, and uh, you know, the NRA may be eviscerated by its own problems in mm -hmm. terms of the way they use their nonprofit money. Um, mm -hmm. That may be helpful in that regard. But uh, I don't know. I don't think I, the, I, yeah. I, I really feel despairing that we're ever going to do well with or the, so. you know, the Parkland movement, you know, tripling and becoming larger and larger. And, you know, because those those teenagers have already made a big impact. They have, so they if a, that movement gets impact. larger and larger, yeah. that will. All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, folks. Uh, again, Ed Fallon here with uh, Charles Goldman, Jeffrey Weiss on the Fallon Forum.